instead of saying what you can do, you're saying how it can help. Instead of saying like, I can prepare your tax return, instead saying like, I can support you and save you time with submitting your expenses and income to HMRC. That's the benefit led. You're, you're thinking about it from the perspective of the customer, which really ties into fiction writing. You're always in someone else's perspective. You're listening to the Bookkeepers podcast, sponsored by Zero. I use Zero's accounting and bookkeeping software to manage my clients' accounts, and I love it. If you haven't tried it yet, head over to zero.com with an X, and you can either start a free 30-day trial or sign up to Zero's partner program to join their amazing community, forward-thinking accountants and bookkeepers. Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman, I'm here with Joe Wood. And this morning we're joined by Jyoti Patel, who's the Content Marketing Manager for the UK in, at Zero. Um, hi Jyoti, how are you doing? Hi Zoe, I'm really good. Thank you both so much for having me. How are you doing today? Yeah, we're really good. We're so pleased to have a chat with you. I know we've had this in the diary for a little while and I know you're going to have so much to share. You know, obviously we're huge Zero fans. Uh, Zero sponsor the podcast, uh, but also we're going to learn loads from you about storytelling and content marketing and what bookkeepers can learn from you. So thanks for taking the time for us. JT, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your background and what you do? Yeah, sure. So as you said, I'm the um, content marketing manager for Zero. So I sit within the marketing team here specifically like the acquisition team. So it's sort of like top of the funnel, trying to educate all of our sort of customers and partners about the product and try and create as much sort of really relevant, useful content um, for our website. Um, Everything from like, you know, what is basis period reform, how that's going to impact, you know, accountants and bookkeepers to like, you know, content for a sole trader who works in construction. So it's a really broad look at creating content for all of our sort of customer groups whether they're direct to small businesses or for our um, accounting and bookkeeping partners um so i've been at zero i think probably over yeah just over two years just over two years now um and alongside working at zero i'm also an author so i write fiction so um i had a my debut novel published in january of this year um, with Murky Books, who are, oh, thank you, <laughs> um, with Murky Books, who are a imprint um, at Penguin that was set up by Stormzy. Um, so I, I'm also like a storyteller and a fiction writer. Oh, my goodness. It's so lovely to hear that you have a passion that is kind of so linked to what you do in your day to day. But something that really stood out was that when I met Jyoti at Zero Talks, like a roadshow thing in London, and I went along, um, we were introduced. But before that, I was hearing the people in your team at Zero talk about how proud they were and of you being an author. And I just thought it was really nice. It's usually really unheard of in like corporate world where someone will be like talking about what a member of staff is doing outside of the office and like being really proud and talking about it. And it just really made me like think, oh, wow, I I do love Zero because it's such an it's just it just felt really good that they were like really like, wow, have you heard what Jyoti's done? She's done this and we've got an author here and they were so proud of you. I mean, it's how how closely linked is like the content marketing that you do and how much do you use your ability to be a fiction author like in that job? It's a really great question. And before I answer, I want to say as well, like I feel so blessed to work there because what you what you're describing is really what it's like behind the scenes as well as like, as you say, at the events, you know, they're very much like that 
behind this the, they're exactly the same behind the scenes like it's been such a brilliant place to be whilst I was launching the book because I'd sort of built up this career for the last 10 years in content marketing and even though sort of writing and fiction was my dream I really wanted to make sure I still kept a foot in the corporate world so they were amazingly supportive as you witnessed and now I sort of work part-time I do three days a week at zero and then a couple of days writing um, so it's a really lovely balance and it's a great question you ask because um, before I worked at Zero, I worked in a fintech company doing the same thing, a very small fintech company. And I actually went part time to go and do a master's in writing fiction. Um, so it's called like prose fiction. And at the time, I was talking to my boss about it. And I, I did not think at all that writing fiction and learning how to effectively like use language to write fiction and how to be economical with your language, how to be, how to write powerfully. I didn't think that was going to feed into my day job as a content marketing manager in fintech. I, I thought I could try and pretend it will to pitch it to her, but I don't actually think it will in practice, but it did transform my whole approach to content marketing in a way that I didn't expect. Like going to learn about, you know, the theory and practice of writing excellent fiction hugely impacted my ability as a content marketing manager, it impacted the way I viewed how our customers think because so much of marketing is about empathy and so much of writing fiction is about empathy um and really getting into the minds of your customers um so you know i did that masters maybe like three or four years ago um and then came to zero a couple of years ago and like yeah like you say writing fiction has had a huge impact on my approach both on like a sort of linguistic level but also in like a theoretical sort of cerebral the way that i think about um, writing content and the way that I think about writing for customers. Oh my gosh, I can unmute myself fast enough. I, lo I love this so much. Um, I, this is really interesting in terms of like having multiple, um, I guess you have lots of things you need to do and that you're really passionate about um, and you're kind of juggling lots of ideas at the same time. So how do you and I'm asking this because I'm thinking of our bookkeepers, some of whom are employed still uh, in the community, maybe working part time or subcontracting part time. And they're and they're doing that and they're focused and they want to get that work done. But at the same time, they're building a practice or they're on a journey. They're studying, getting ready to launch a practice. Um, and often we have lots of different projects and things, you know, like even creating content takes you away from the day day job, the client work but it needs to be done because it's part of the business. And I think that for many of us with sort of entrepreneurial minds, we're like, right, I need to really get stuck into this and you know have a bit of time and do that really well before I can move on to this other thing. But actually they all have to happen in this kind of steady flow a little bit at a time. And you probably have this way you're dividing your week. How do you manage that? I guess, I don't know, do you feel it like an overwhelm of, oh, I wish it, if only I could just get on with that. And, and how yeah. do you manage that? It's another really great question because it's something that I hugely struggled with when I was flitting, especially when I was working full time. So I wrote, edited and launched the book full time. And then I went part time because I was like, OK, this is literally two full time jobs. But when I was doing that, what I realized was that when I was switching between like, say I had like a radio interview and then I had a meeting and then I had like had a call with my publicist and then I was working for three hours and then I'd go. It would be the evening and then I was, I was writing an article or whatever. Um, when I was doing that, I realized that switching between the activities was using up so much brain power. So if I just had a chunk of time in the morning to do something, had lunch and then spent the afternoon, you know, working at zero, my my brain would have been such a nicer place because 
I just feel like that swapping, you know, switching gears is what was what was making me exhausted. Um, and, you know, Zero was so flexible. My boss was very much like, take the time I trust you to make it up, et cetera, which was so kind. But ultimately, I realized what I needed to do was like block time out. And I think that's something that could really translate well to how bookkeepers work is saying, OK, you know, three chunks, focus time, have an hour off and then do something else for a couple of hours, come back to my emails. I think switching like I find that so exhausting. So at the moment, like I, like I mentioned earlier, what I do is I have my Mondays and Fridays to get all of my sort of author work done. And that often spills off like into the weekends. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm fully focused at zero. I'm, I'm in and I'm just like that. That sort of structure really helps quite a lot um, just in terms of like the author work and then the contact marketing. It's really interesting that you talk about that. Um because I have definitely experienced that, especially I think working from home as well, trying to be, trying to move. So I now work from my garage in the garden. So it means that physically walking out the door and walking into another door helps me, you know, separate home life, even though I'm still working from home. Um, but I remember when I had three little children, they're all big now, but when they were little um, and maybe they'd be, I'd be working from home and maybe they'd be with the childminder and they'd come back and I'd be like, oh, I've got, a, you know, I'm in my head at the moment and now I need to swap roles and be something else. And um, I can't remember who told me this, but it really helped me. I had to get to swap, especially if you're like time blocking and doing different things in a day. I had to get physical in some sort of way to kind of shake off the mental where I was at. So I used to hoover my rug. Now I know this sounds really silly, but it wasn't like I was trying to hoover the whole house. I just had one rug in the living room and I always loved it when it was nice and clean. I had toddlers, so it was always like, there was always something on it, toys or whatever. So to kind of switch between roles, I would go, right, clean the rug, give it a quick hoover and then I was in like right I kind of like a reset and I know it sounds really sad I've not thought of that for years but it's funny the things that we have to do because I had to feel start being mum and get on the floor and like pick up and change nappies and be more physical whereas when you're in a piece of work and you're doing a spreadsheet or something you're all up here in your head and I had to physically change so just a top tip from me if you, that is something like sometimes it, and that's why I think going getting out the front door going for a walk with the dog or just walking to go and get that pint of milk or whatever it is just like physically changing how you are can sometimes help you mentally change um something anyway sorry there you go. I totally agree I totally agree <laughs> I I think a lot of us lost that ability in the pandemic because for so many people what you're talking about was their commute like especially for me when I would like be driving home from work or commuting home from my day job that's when I'd like slowly slip out of corporate mode and slowly slip into the creative mode like through that quiet time of you know being on my own and I think a lot of people lost that in the pandemic. So finding, you know, now in, in the new normal, I hate that term, but you know, like now when there's a hybrid working model, like finding ways to do that, even if you're not like a bookkeeper switching between tasks, or even if you're just like a, you know, someone who's trying to go into like home mode and mother mode, whatever, whatever it is, something you're absolutely right. Like something sort of physical really helps for me. Um, it's a really small thing, but it's just like moving my work laptop away and getting my <laughs> my writing laptop and making a cup of tea I'm like okay I'm in and it's it's really tricky because sometimes like if I'm you know going away for a weekend or whatever um I've got my work laptop with me and then on the weekend I'll be like right I'm going to do some writing but I'm like I can't do it for me it's like I have to separate which laptops I use that's my like switch between 
sort of work and and, and creative, like corporate and creative. Um, so it's a really good point, Joe. Like I think it's it's something really practical that's super useful. Mm. Oh, I love this. Um, I guess you carry like two laptops around everywhere now. I do. <laughs> Um, the corporate and creative, this is really interesting. Um, so, you know, we were talking about um, bookkeepers and accountants who listen to the podcast as well, who want to create content. And we know that marketing is really important. In fact, we had a conversation this morning with one of our mastermind members about marketing and, you know, what's the what should we be spending time on? And there is this, there's definitely something about on LinkedIn or social media platforms it's the personal stuff that really gets people's attention mm-hmm. but we do a professional job and um, I just wonder like how can we use the storytelling skills that you have learned and things that you're using to help zero with content um, in our own I suppose to sort of be creative ourselves because we're probably not people in this industry who think of ourselves as creative um, so how what do we need to know about storytelling to make our marketing more effective? And does it need to be all kind of bookkeeping and, you know, tax reform? Do, or what do, what do we do to make that work? I think even the, the trick here is that even if it is all bookkeeping, tax reform, like heavy stuff, to make it as human as possible, I think that's like the overall like message that I'd say, no matter what you're doing, whether you're writing really like, you know, heavy, you know, practical, factual content, or you're writing a case study on your website, trying to make it as human as possible is the main thing. One of the big things that I talk about a lot is accessible language, so writing in plain English. And um, I think often it can feel like, you know, whether I've seen this a lot with like lawyers and also with accountants and bookkeepers, that they lean towards using lots of jargon and they lean towards using like very sort of heavy technical language. And I think often that immediately sort of creates a barrier and takes away that human sort of element and if you're talking to each other as accountants and bookkeepers it's a little bit different but when you're writing content for your customers who are business owners who don't have a lot of time trying to make it as human as possible is my biggest piece of advice so you know building a human connection through your content so um like I say whether you're right whether you're you know educating your clients about the importance of bookkeeping you know, as MTD for ITSA comes in, or whether you're writing a case study to show your potential clients the impact you could have like you had on, you know, previous customers, trying to think always about how how can you speak to, how can you write as if you're speaking to a human being as opposed to writing on a laptop? Um, and the other thing I'd say that's really conducive to this too is like always trying to make sure you're writing and creating a benefit-led story when you're when you're trying to write about your your services or pitch your services so again like if you say for example are writing a case study to um, i think case studies are so important you know like content that that looks practically at how your services have worked for someone um looking at the benefits of that as opposed to talking about like i don't know the the theory and the the the, the theory behind what you did like looking at the practical benefits that it's had on customers that's a really beautiful, easy way to create a human connection through your writing. Um, yeah. But that's the main thing I'd say is, is is sort of trying to keep it human. Also thinking about the channels that you're putting content out on. You know, whether whether I'm, because I, I use an accountant for my sort of, you know, my author work. And the thing that I look for, whether I'm looking for an accountant or like, again, like if I was looking for like, you know, a lawyer or if I, whatever, whatever it was, 
as a customer, I would go to their website and then I might have a little look to see if they're on Instagram or their the tone of voice that they use on LinkedIn, because often the tone of voice that, you know, you write in on your social media is what your customer, how your customers expect your personality to be as a brand. So, you know, making sure you're you're on these platforms and you're sharing content on those platforms too. And you're just doing as much as you can to show your customers that behind all the numbers, there are, there are human beings um, there. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a, um, we heard it, we've been hearing it the last week. If you act like a robot, you're going to be replaced by robots. So the more human we can be, the better. And just something you said that there about, you know, talking about the facts like I, I used to be told this uh, facts tell stories sell what is it about humans that love stories and it, it it's fascinating because we were given a top tip once as we were about to walk on stage by um James Ashford he said don't say I'm Joe Wood this is Zoe Whitman and start like that he said start off with a story because you're going to captivate the audience and it's so true. And I just was started going in 2003, da, 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 started talking and you can see that people are straight away engaged. What is it about stories like that still captivate us as adults? I think it's a, such a good point you're making. And I think it is that immediate sort of instinct to, to lean in and listen that we have since we're kids. You know, when you're a child and you're at nursery or whatever and someone opens a book, you all immediately sort of lean in and listen. Whereas if someone's standing there saying, I'm Joe Wood, and I, you're just like, oh, dear. do you know what I mean? It's a natural instinct to like lean in and to listen. And it, it's quite an innate thing. And it's the same if you think about, say, for example, if you're an accountant or bookkeeper and you've listed your services on your website, there should probably somewhere be a list. But if you think about how engaging that would be compared to like, seeing a, a snackable TikTok video of someone saying, we started the business in 2017 and we're here to do this. And our last customers realized that they could save 20% of time when they, you, you're immediately sort of creating a connection and you can't really do that with a list and with like, you know, clean sort of um, content that doesn't always have that, that sort of humanness to it. And there is always, there is a place and a time for that kind of list content. But I think, you know, when you're thinking about marketing yourselves as a, you know, accounting and bookkeeping practice, or when you're thinking about really trying to win customers and get them in, like doing it with heart is the biggest sort of, I think, the, the most beautiful and the best way to do it with like the most, the most results is, is exactly like you're saying, thinking about how you can connect, how you can tell a story and how you can tell like a benefit led story, as opposed to just saying, this is how we can help you. You make the decision. You want to be encouraging them and giving them everything they need to, to make that decision. Yeah, um, one of the biggest problems I think we have is when we speak to lots of bookkeepers and accountants who have kind of created a bit of a job for themselves. Like they're really good at finding um, clients who will pay them um, to do the bookkeeping, maybe through referrals. This is, this is a good example where, you know, an accountant might refer the work to a bookkeeper. And then, you know, they're, they're really good at doing it. So they do the work and they get more and more clients and then they kind of get full up of, you know, they're, they're, they're at the top of their capacity. And Joe and I come in and we say, right, come on, let's work out what you're doing that you don't need to be doing. How do we turn this into a business where you don't need to do everything? You have some headspace, you can earn more money, et cetera, et cetera. And um, to be able to do that, we need to be able to find like, the right kind of clients that we can give the best service to, but where we can systemize the process so that, you know, the work gets done. Um, 
But what we find there is there's resistance. They're like, well, I'm kind of all right where I am, but I don't really want to do any marketing. And I think bookkeepers don't want to become marketers. In fact, they probably never thought they'd have to become a marketer. And suddenly when you start a business, you're not just doing the work. You're not just doing the bookkeeping. You're actually building a business now and you're a business owner and your role is slightly different to if you've been an employed bookkeeper before. But then there's all these terms that come up and some of them have come up in this conversation and you're talking about sort of leading with the benefits and um, you were talking about acquisition, your role at um, zero being around acquisition and top of funnel and things like that. These are words, we talk about funnels and it's I can see that this is new terminology and just like bookkeeping speak is, a, is different terminology to our clients. So what do bookkeepers really know? I think about people who are... Um, doing marketing for their own business they want to find their own clients they suddenly are in this situation where someone's telling them they have to go and post on TikTok and they're thinking what what's the purpose what words am I looking for what am I supposed to measure um do we really need to know all of the sort of marketing speak or what are the key not at all not at all like zero is such a huge business and there's so many people in marketing who work with different customer groups and and it is absolutely not the way that you know, if I think about how I wanted to market myself as an author, as a one person sort of business, it would be so different to what I do at zero. And you absolutely don't need to know all of the lingo and think about all of the different journeys. It's so simple. It's just thinking about how there's well, there's a couple of things, the benefit led stuff, which is, I think, quite self-explanatory, but making sure that when you're pitching your services and talking about yourselves, instead of saying what you can do, you're saying how it can help. Do you see what I mean? Instead of saying like, I can, you know, prepare your tax return, instead saying like, I can support you and save you time with submitting your, you know, expenses and income to HMRC. Like that's a benefit led. You're, you're thinking about it from the perspective of the customer, which really ties into fiction writing. You're always in someone else's perspective. Um, so that's a big thing about benefit led. The other thing I'd say as well is always like as much as you can, focus on the language your customers use when they talk to you so if you're using technical terms like income tax you know self income tax self-assessment but your customers are using another word bear that in mind even if it's incorrect bear it in mind because that might be what people are searching for like say for example in google when they want support with it so you like really listen when your customers talk i think that's a really important thing when you're on the phone like make notes about what they're saying make notes about the points that they, they need help with, et cetera. And then try and feed that back into the language that you use on your website or when you speak to them. Um, so those are like some really practical steps that are non sort of jargony. Um, but I think it's really very, very simple when you're when you're thinking about marketing and you're a small business of a couple of people or even 10, all you're thinking about is what kind of customers do I like working with? How can I get more of them through the door? That's literally it. And you can be as creative as you like, you know, you can think about where, if you really like working with customers in the construction industry, how can you, using your empathy and your like getting in their perspective, how can you get in the spaces that they're going to be looking at? It's going to be very different to marketing your services to like corporate law, law firms. It's, you know, they're looking in very different spaces. So that's all marketing is. It's empathy. It's thinking about who do I want to sell to and how can I get in front of them? That's, yeah, you don't need to know about funnels or acquisition. That's literally it. Yeah, amazing. And and I think exactly that, you know, what we've just said, you know, there's all those words there in marketing, um, but it doesn't mean that 
we need to use them when doing it effectively and helping people understand what we're doing. And that's the same when, you know, I think we learn these words when we're qualifying and we think we need to use it to prove to our, to people that we know what we're talking about. But actually, that is not the thing that they want to know that doesn't connect with them. You know, the amount of time I, I say this so often to uh, people in our membership, you know, when you're on a sales call, you have two ears and one mouth. So listen twice as much as you're talking, whereas we usually go into a discovery call thinking we have got to give all of this value. But actually, a lot of the time, someone just wants to have a chat. And they want you to be interested in what they're saying. And they want you to be, you know, making notes and writing down and really and then say th saying things back to them to show that you've actually really listened to them is really effective. And then exactly rather than saying, I can do this, and I can calculate your corporation tax, and I can do this. I often say, do you know, I've, I've got a client that's just like you and they were in the same position as you and they felt this, 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 talking back over what they said and how I helped them was this, this, this. And that's, that's a story. so much more powerful, that's isn't it? Yeah. That's it. You've told a story that like you're instead of saying this is what I can do, you're creating a benefit led story with evidence, because I think this is the thing that I was saying earlier, like having evidence of how what you've done previously for other customers is so powerful because again it's that human connection it's saying I understand you and also this is how I can support you because it's exactly how I've supported someone previously so it's a really big point sort of having that social proof of you know this is what I've done previously um and I, I had another thought came when you were talking but it's gone now I'm going to try and bring it back but um but yeah I think oh I think it was about you saying um about sort of listening more than you speak I think that's a really important way as well. That's a really big part of marketing is sometimes people can project like what they think or what they assume. You see it all the time, whether you're in like a tiny little two-person marketing team or a 50-person marketing team. I think assumptions are really, really dangerous. I think using the data and the evidence instead um, is really important. So like you're saying, actually listening to what your customers are saying and saying it back to them and thinking about the language you're using and actually focusing on what they're telling you as opposed to like making assumptions. Um, can I can I ask, sorry, I had to disappear because my internet completely gave up. So nice to be back. Um, sorry about that. Can I ask about what, from a sort of strategic and tactical point of view as a bookkeeper or accountant, like what should we be thinking about when we're, trying to squeeze because I feel like we try and squeeze marketing in like it's a thing we know we have to do it but it's a bit stressful because we don't really know what we're doing we don't think we're creative we don't know how to approach it it's a new area for us um what, what's the sort of big picture that we need to be thinking about and how do we decide what to do because I'd love to learn in fact from what you do at zero you know what what's the I, because I guess this applies just on a smaller level so um, it does, yeah. So I think the stuff that I was saying before about like benefit led marketing, so and using the language of your customers and also bringing in as much social proof as you can. So, you know, asking if you can write some case studies on, on some of your clients and having those either on your social media or on your website, like bringing your customers into your story. But apart from that, the other thing that I'd say is really important to look at or to consider is something that might sound scary, but I promise it's not. And it's called search engine optimization. So it's basically making sure that if you have, you should have a website, and if you if you do have one, that the content on your website is basically it, you're ensuring that the content is going to rank on Google, or at least 
be good enough that people who are searching for your services are going to find it. And working with a copywriter is really useful for this if you don't want to do it yourself. But if you do have the capacity, using there's loads of like if you just search for like SEO tools, there's loads of really good tools you can use online, like SEMrush, Ahrefs. Like there's so many different tools you can find, which could give you just like a really top level understanding of like some very basic things you can do to make sure that you're just writing content that's going to have a chance of ranking. Um, I think that's, it's like a bigger piece of work, but it's something that I think is always worth considering when you're writing content is like, how am I making sure that, you know, for example, if you're writing a page on um, basis period reform and the impacts that that's going to have, you're, you're sort of putting in a few keywords in the copy to make sure that people who are searching for those keywords, the, the content's going to come up. It's that simple. And there are so many tools that can guide you through how to do this. But alongside having like the benefit led and the customer sort of social proof approach, thinking about sort of search engine optimization when you're writing is, is, is something that I'd also sort of tentatively put out there because it's something that I sort of um, basically introduced in a big way with my boss in the UK when, when, when I joined Zero, So um, Zero had a huge, like already like a big search engine optimization strategy globally, but regionally in the UK, we weren't really focusing a lot on it. And I came in and my boss and I were like, this is what we're gonna do. And we've seen huge results um, taking that approach. And when you're, when, content, when you're talking about content, you're talking about blog posts and the kind of work, like not just the, the web pages themselves that probably don't change very regularly over time, but the more frequent. So if you're thinking about like the autumn um, update today, mm -hmm. the announcements and words around that and making exactly. sure that is, has the right, the kind of things that people are searching for online. Exactly. And you can use like, there are these tools which will tell you if you put in like autumn statement 2020 what are we in 2023 I don't just like since the pandemic I'm so confused about what year it is but it will if you put that into like some of these tools it will tell you like these are the keywords you need to focus on maybe make sure that your headings have these in them so it's really simple like it's SEO can be like a whole big messy monster but just keeping it simple and even doing the bare minimum can really help um so that's why I'd say is always keep and keep your eye on that and Bear it in mind when you're you're doing anything to do with writing that's going to appear on your website, try and keep SEO at the back of your head. And does that work in the same way for social media platforms? So like YouTube, for example, we know is searchable in Google results. Yeah. So if you have YouTube, uh, you can put the words in your description and your titles and things like that. Yeah. What about if you were posting on LinkedIn or Facebook? Yeah, so well, I think pretty much now, like all social media platforms have you know, hashtags work the same way, essentially, as well. Like, they're a very basic way of, you know, the, the very sort of, like, basic look at SEO. Like, if you're on Instagram, putting in hashtags so that people who search for that hashtag can come to you. Just thinking about those small things can make such a big difference. Like, um, so, yeah, depending on what social media platform you're using, just spending 10 minutes with a cup of tea reading through how you could optimise your posts might have a huge impact on who's seeing them. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. It's it's like leveraging the power. Like if you're going to do the work anyway, you may may as well optimize it. So you're mm -hmm. actually going to get some results. Um, and like you say, there's so many tools and things out there these days that can help simplify this yeah. process and point us in the right direction, which is great. Going back to storytelling, um, for bookkeepers, I I think it's 
I think people, bookkeepers and accountants, underestimate the power of their own story. So I, as I've been like on this process of being a bookkeeper, being a not very successful bookkeeper, and then, you know, reinventing myself and keep going, keep going. Actually, the more success I've had is the more times I've told people everything that's gone wrong, everything that's gone right, how I've learned, what I've done, and just talking through talking through my story has really impacted my success and people and you think it's boring because it's what you've gone through and also it's a bit embarrassing if it's not been perfect and also you know and then you feel like oh that went well oh god I feel like a show off for saying that we have all of these emotions ourselves but what actually it does it, it connects us to other people yeah and so like if someone's and I, I say this to my children like use LinkedIn as like a live storyboard like if you get an exam qualification like put it up there and say how you're feeling it doesn't matter that you're you know you're 17 18 like whatever because one day it's going to be like a live cv that someone can look, look back at and see all the things that you've done and that's why stories in instagram people love it because it's like little snapshots into the like backstage of you know looking at what's going on behind the scenes and everybody loves it so like do you would you encourage as a business owner, small business owner, that bookkeepers tell this their own personal stories more? Absolutely. Like I think so many people now, and I, I noticed there was a shift in behavior after the pandemic too. Like, you know, when we were saying, you know, shop small and all of this, one of the main things I do when I'm like, when I come across a new brand, or even if I come across, like I say, an accountant or bookkeeper or a lawyer or some sort of service provider, I'll always go to the about. And people really underestimate how important the About Us page is on a website because you are literally, that's when you're, that's the, the heart of your business. Like you're, you're talking about yourself, you're talking about how you got there and it is the biggest opportunity to sell on the About page that people often overlook. Um, and I think especially if you're uh, a service like being an accountant or bookkeeper where you have an opportunity to not just provide a service but actually build a partnership with your clients because I think that's what a lot of people don't think about is like the way that accountants and bookkeepers can sort of be alongside business owners and really impact the way that they run their business and really have a huge amount of say in like their sort of work-life balance, all these different things. Um, and really pitching yourselves as like you can be a partner to these small business owners if you have a correct sort of relationship with them. You can so build that and you can really impact them in so many ways that stretch beyond just helping them with their, their bookkeeping and their accounting. So using that About Us page, like you're saying, Joe, is really important and making sure that you're really thinking about your origin story. You know, like if you were a character in X-Men, what would your origin story be? Like, how did you, you know, how how did you start in your garage, like you're saying, Joe? And or did you, you know, did you start this business as a family business? You know, having that human connection is something that I find as a customer, whether I'm doing my Christmas shopping and I'm buying from an independent shop or whether I'm looking for like an accountant, whatever it is, seeing if I if there's something in that about us page that is going to connect with me always works. So it's something that's really overlooked. And I think it's something that's really important to consider in your marketing and your writing. Um, your content writing mm, yeah oh definitely I was speaking to somebody who um, is a financial advisor the other day and they were saying you know oh I can't post on LinkedIn because it's all so heavily regulated and that's like well you can still post about like what you did with your kids at the weekend exactly. and um, you don't need to say oh this is what you should know about your pension you know I'm gonna if I like you and I know you have the skills because you're 
you know, it says financial advisor and you've got testimonials and all of that. I don't need you to tell me on LinkedIn what the best tax thing is. This is the same for bookkeeping. It's the same for anything. It is. Absolutely is. And I think it's even more important in industries where, you know, what you're doing is so so much about like like you were saying in, in financial services but also in accounting and bookkeeping so much of what you're doing is about you know structured rules and laws and you know legislations and you know regulations all of these things and it can seem so murky to your clients and you're guiding them through these things that really they don't have time to even think about and sometimes they won't even know about you know so having like making sure they trust you and you're their trusted advisor and that you've built that human connection with them is just so important, not just for marketing, but even for building that relationship and that partnership. Oh, thank you so much. I feel like we could chat all day. It's been like an amazing masterclass. So thank you for your time. Um, JT, I want to, I want to like buy your books. I want to know everything about what you do. How can people connect with you and find out more about you? Thank you. That's very sweet. So thank you both for having me as well. I've had so much fun chatting to you. Um, so I wrote a book called The Things That We Lost, um, which you can find online. It's it's in most bookshops at the moment. Um, and it'll be, it's out in hardback right now, but the paperback is coming out in January. So you can, if you want to buy yourself a Christmas treat, go for it. But there's also the paperback coming out in Jan. Um, and it's, um, I'll just tell you quickly. So it's like, it's about a mother and son in Northwest London, where I grew up, who are British Gujarati, um, like me and it's all about like family secrets and love and relationships um, so yeah it's um, it's called the things that we lost um, and also yeah I think that's I'm also on Instagram if anyone wants to follow me I'm at Jyoti's books um, so that's the best way to connect with me oh thank you so much and thanks everyone for tuning in uh, it's been great to have uh, this podcast today we look forward to catching up with you on the next episode take care thank you bye Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Bookkeepers podcast. Why not join us in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club at sixfigurebookkeeper.club or visit our website sixfigurebookkeeper.com.